Welcome to Craft Life, episode 28. I'm so crafty, I even make... In this episode, my lengthy absence will be explained. We have a new segment There is much talk of knitting and a little about venison? Yeah, yeah, that's right. All this coming up in this episode of Craft Life, the podcast all about living the creative life. Thank you for downloading and listening to this 28th episode of Craft Life. If you are a new listener, thanks for joining me. If you are a returning listener, bless your heart and thank you for coming back. As I said, I have a lengthy absence to account for. I've got some splaining to do here on Craft Life uh, about where I have been these past, oh, two months or so. I believe when we last spoke, it was September. So it's been a while now that it's uh, the very beginning of December. So what have I been up to? Well, part of the reason that you have not heard from me lately is that my audio recording time has been allocated elsewhere. Uh, if you remember way back in one of the early episodes of Craft Life, it may have been episode two or three, I had on my husband, Adam, and he talked a little bit, uh, we talked a little bit about photography and videography, and he mentioned that one of his projects that he was working on at that time was a video game. And this is, obviously, this is quite a lengthy project, and he is getting close to the very end of that video game, and he has asked me to do the sound design, the composition and sound design for all the sound effects and music within the video game. So that's something that takes quite a while. It's not something you can just sit down and do in the afternoon. So most of the time that I would be in front of the microphone recording a podcast and editing that and putting together the, the different types of things that I kind of plug into the podcast, skits and, and music and that sort of thing, uh, that has been allocated to work on the video game. As I said, he's approaching his deadline, so I kind of need to get my part of that bargain taken care of too. Now there is another reason why I have been sort of MIA the past few months. Uh, if you remember in episode 27, I mentioned that I was having some health issues, and uh, in the last podcaster hangout, um, I, I was feeling better from those, as I said in the hangout, but that's not quite the case. So just to give you a little quick catch up on, on what that's about, you know what? I can't just tell you what that's about. We have to do this in a craft lifestyle. So, so here's what's been going on the past few months. In a world of crafty people and podcasters, there's something in the water. Don't drink the water. First, it was Jasmine of the Nipmore Girls. Don't drink the water. Don't even touch it. Not one drop. Then, it was Green Triangle Girl of a Playful Day. We've all been drinking the same water. 
now. It's Amanda of Craft Life. Coming in spring 2013. If the trailer was not enough for you to catch what's going on, Adam and I are expecting our first baby. And we are super excited. Everything is, is just, it's, you know, it's the first. So everything is exciting and new. And But I have been quite ill during my first trimester. Uh, very ill and very exhausted. And uh, pretty much the only thing I was up to doing by the time I made it home from work during the week was to lay down and, and go to sleep. So I had no mojo, no energy, or anything like that. Um, no knitting, pretty much, for the first three months either. It was it was pretty rough um, with the fatigue and illness. But thankfully, uh, second trimester approached, and I'm feeling much better. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you may remember that I also had an emergency appendectomy at, at about 12 weeks, right at the end of my first trimester. So that was um, that was something else that kind of knocked me off my game for a while. But things are fantastic now. No more appendix, which is great for me. No more sickness and really not much fatigue either. So I'm ready to get back here on the mic with you and, um, and do some more crafty goodness. If you have been with me for a, a few months, if you listened to a few episodes, um, you also know that we recently moved into a new house, uh, one that had a room dedicated to be my craft room. It's the one room that didn't get finished before we moved in, and it's a good thing because that is the room that is going to be dedicated now to the new baby. So no more craft room, but you know what? Uh, if I had to choose between filling it with craft supplies and filling it with a new addition to our family, I, I think I would pick the new addition to our family. So that is what I have been up to the past few months. Um, kind of big, but also very exciting. And and now that all that's over, I am glad to be back on the mic here with you. So with that, let's move on with the rest of the podcast. <music> It is that time again. It is time for the third podcaster hangout. That's right, December the 8th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. GMT, and 9 p.m. if you live in South Africa. Just like last time, you can tune in to the Craft Life YouTube channel, Craft Life in Motion, at whatever time that start time is where you live. Now, I mentioned that it's going to be 9 p.m. South African Standard Time. That's because this time with us, we will have a special guest host, Joe, of the Shiny Bees podcast. And if you haven't listened to any of Joe's podcasts, I recommend that you download the most recent or the most recent five episodes of Shiny Bees and uh, put them in your ears before you join us on the Hangout. If you don't have time to do that before Saturday, that's okay. Join us in the hangout and meet Joe for the first time. It'll be great either way. This time, we are going to be having a lot of crafty Christmas chatter. We're going to be doing some holiday crafts, maybe talk about some recipes and some different traditions uh, that may be celebrated in the different places where we live. We would love for you to join us in that conversation, and there are so many ways that you can do that. First of all, you can send me an email before the hangout 
or post comments or questions in the podcaster hangout thread in the Craft Life group on Ravelry. And, uh, and let me know what you'd like to hear about. If there are any questions that you have that you'd like us to answer while we're kind of chatting that day, feel free to leave those there. You can also, if you're on Twitter, you can tweet us with the hashtag podhangout. That's all one word, P-O-D-H-A-N-G-O-U-T. You can tweet us before, during, or after the Hangout. We'll get them either way. Um, but we would really love to, to engage in some conversation with you during the Hangout, you know, sort of live on air. You can also post comments on the YouTube channel during the Hangout or after the Hangout. If you are not able to catch us live, don't worry about it. The video will stay on the YouTube channel. It'll be there static. It'll be there for you to watch whenever you have the time. So even if you're not able to catch us on December 8th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, you can catch up with us later and, and still kind of see what we had going on that day. If one of those start times that I called out was not where you live, you can figure out what time that the Hangout is going to start where you live by checking out timeanddate.com. I do have a blog post on the website that's craftlifecentral.com, and it, it outlines everything. It gives the link to time and date. It gives uh, the time, the day, kind of what you can expect, links to past Hangouts. So if you have not joined us for a Hangout yet, uh, you can kind of get a feel for what we're going to be doing. All of that is on the website, but I will also have some links in the show notes for this episode so that you can get to the YouTube channel, so that you can figure out what the time, the start time is, where you live, and all of that good stuff. So hopefully we will see you there on December the 8th. Your hostesses will be me, Martine of iMake, Laura of Apocalyptic Diner, and special guest host Joe of Shiny Bees. We hope to see you there for a very special and festive edition of the Podcaster Hangout. That brings us to the newest segment here on the Craft Life Podcast. It's a segment that I'm going to be calling Kicking Craft. I wanted to start this segment in order to highlight crafty and creative projects that are up for funding on Kickstarter. Let me give you a little background on Kickstarter and what it is they do and, and, and how exactly you can participate in that for those of you who may not be familiar with it. According to their website, this is how Kickstarter defines itself. Kickstarter is a funding platform for creative projects. And essentially what they do is they give regular people like you and me the chance to help bring creative projects to life. So here's how it works. First of all, a, a person or a team of creative people, they come up with a project idea that they would like to pursue and an idea of about how much funding it would take for them to reach their goal. Once they have a project in mind, they create a Kickstarter page with a description of their project, how they plan to achieve their goal, and uh, most also include sort of a, a pitch video. You can kind of meet the people behind the project and they'll kind of tell you and, and show you little bits about what they're working on. They also create a list of rewards that will be given to the people who fund the project, kind of based on the, the various amounts that are given. Now, that's what the artists do. The backers, which is you and me, what we do is we go onto Kickstarter and we look around and we find projects that we would like to help go from idea to reality. 
then backers can pledge whatever amount they would like. And, and many projects allow you to pledge as little as, as just $1. Backers who pledge money, depending on the amount, may be eligible to receive some of these rewards that the artists have come up with, sort of, like I said, depending on the amount that they've pledged. The projects that are posted on Kickstarter are given a limited time to reach their financial goals. So the projects don't just stay up there forever until they eventually have enough people who have pledged money. Uh, they, they have a time limit. So either the projects are funded or they're not. And Kickstarter does a all or nothing uh, way of funding. And that really helps sort of reduce the risk of projects maybe not making it to completion. If a project is only half funded, then you know that really makes it hard on the artists and the creative team who are working to make it if they don't have all of the funds that they need. So once you pledge as a backer, you wait until the deadline um, of, the, of the pledge time is over. And if the project has met its goal, then the project is funded and your account will be charged. And depending on how much you gave, you may or may not receive a reward. Um, but if the project has not met its funding goal, there, it's it's basically null and void. Your pledge does not come out of your account. You're not you're not charged for your pledge. You don't receive a reward, and the project is basically unfunded. And um, and I guess the the people who are doing them have to come up with other ways to raise funds um, or abandon the project. Some of the things that are commonly funded on Kickstarter are things like books, albums, art installations. Uh, there's some independent video games and board games. There are lots of films and plays. There are fashion designer lines, and I mean, the list just, it just goes on and on and on. But included in that list are also some very fiber-filled projects as well. There are things such as indie dyers who are looking to transition from hobbyist to professional, patterns and educational books. Uh, there are would-be fiber farmers and local yarn store owners, and pretty much everything from the strange to the sublime you can find on Kickstarter. Most recently, I backed a project called Doomsday Knits. This is a book of knitting patterns that, according to the artist, is inspired by post-apocalyptic film, literature, and fashion with an eye towards both whimsy and wearability. This really seemed like a fun project. Uh, the video kind of sold me on it. I've seen some of the sketches of some of the ideas for some of the different knitwear designs that they're wanting to do in the book, and uh, it just really seemed like a fun project. So it wound up being successfully funded. So they got my pledge, and because I pledged at the level that I did, I'll be getting an ebook copy of the book once it's finished. So that's my backer reward. So it's really a win-win for both, both the artist and the backers because the artists get a chance to complete their project, and the backers you know, get a nice reward depending on what, you've, what you have, have pledged, um, but also, you know, you, you get to help other people like you, other crafters, other creative types um, who have this vision, and that may be something you'd like to see come to life as well. So it's, it's really pretty fun. So what I want to do with this segment of Kick and Craft is uh, just sort of point out or highlight some different things that are current on Kickstarter that have not reached the end of their funding goal just to kind of let you know what's out there. and uh, But I, of course, encourage you to go on over there and click around and see all of the really cool stuff that, that people are trying to create. Don't just, you know, don't just take my word for the one I'm plugging. So today's Kick and Craft is the Pop-Up Paper House by paper engineer Catherine Belzey. And I will, of course, have a link to her Kickstarter page in the show notes for this episode. 
Now, what Catherine is trying to do is she is trying to create pop-up paper doll houses, which can quickly and easily be taken apart and stored flat. Right now, she has some DIY print, cut, and assemble yourself kits that they're already available. Um, but Catherine really wants to be able to offer fully constructed versions of the project for people who want the finished object, but they don't have the, maybe the skill or the time to put it together themselves. Backer rewards are available for uh, a multiple denomination levels, uh, starting with a PDF file for one of the rooms that you can cut and assemble yourself, um, and that's just for a $2 backing, all the way up to $100, which rewards you with all eight rooms of the house already cut, folded, glued, and ready to be installed in a DIY foam core house structure. It also comes with PDF templates of all eight rooms so that you can make replacement rooms if you need to, a thank you postcard, and uh, she will also link your name and a link to your blog or website on her website. So that's, that's kind of a huge reward for a $100 backing. So again, today's Kick and Craft is the Pop-Up Paper Dollhouse by paper engineer Catherine Belsey. Deer meat, noun, definition, often referred to as venison when served in restaurants. When found in South Carolina, this term usually refers to the meat of white-tailed deer. Usage, example, please take a pound of deer meat out of the freezer, I need it to make supper tonight. Episode 27, sort of the theme of the two Southernisms, which if you didn't listen to it or if you don't remember, the two Southernisms were liver pudding and pigfoot stew. Their commonality was basically that these are Southern foods I ate as a child that I don't eat anymore. Well, this week I figured we'd go in the opposite direction and talk about something that I grew up eating pretty much my whole life and is certainly something I would continue to eat today. So before we get into the, the different foods and things that you can make with deer meat, let me give you just a little bit of sort of just a list of facts real quick about the white-tailed deer. The white-tailed deer is the state animal of South Carolina. It has a white neck and underside of the tail, hence the name. It's very aptly named. In the United States, the white-tailed deer population has grown from about 300,000 around the 1930s to more recent estimates of around 30 million. Think about that. 300,000 versus 30 million. That is a huge jump in populations. And now this can lead to some problems. Very high population densities of deer can destroy forest undergrowth, they can prevent reforestation uh, following logging, um, and they can also kind of wreak habit on farm cash crops like corn and orchard produce, and they can also be, be culprits in many different uh, car accidents. According to the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, in 2010, uh, South Carolina saw a total of 2,214 deer vehicle collisions. And uh, on a more personal note, uh, this this past Thanksgiving, just a few weeks ago, uh, my sister was driving back home from the grocery store. I guess she was picking up a few things that they forgot for the meal. And um, she was hit by a deer. So th um, this is 
unfortunately not as uncommon as, as one would like. The deer sideswiped her <laughs> on her way home. So it, it can be quite a problem. She is thankfully okay. Uh, some people in deer vehicle collisions uh, do not make it out. But she is, she is thankfully okay. Um, her car is worse for wear, but, but she's okay. Now, along with conservation programs, the white-tailed deer population is also controlled by regulated hunting. So these are the two ways that, that people in the United States, and specifically South Carolina, try to um, sort of control the white-tailed deer population. The hunting of the white-tailed deer is very important because selling of wild venison is illegal in South Carolina. So the pretty much the only way you get deer meat for personal consumption is if you hunt it yourself or if you have a family member who hunts and, and then gifts it to you. So this is how I grew up. My dad is a deer hunter. Deer meat was the main source of meat that we had growing up. We would use it as a substitute for beef many, many times. It can be processed into steaks, into ground meat, into sausage, roasts, jerky. I mean, you name it, you can, you can pretty much get any cut of meat that you would like off of a deer. Some of the good things about deer meat is that it is lean. Lean deer meat has a lower fat, calorie, and cholesterol content than most grain-fed beef, pork, or lamb. So, you know, in terms of, of, of health, it's, it's, it's a pretty healthy meat. So as I've grown older and become more conscious of the things that I eat and, and food politics of the day and, you know, just, just critical thinking about my food, I have even become more of a fan of deer meat that is hunted by my loving family and, and brought to the table. Deer meat is just about the most ethically sourced meat that I can think of. The deer are naturally free range. They roam wild in the forests. They feed on a natural diet of their choosing. They're, since they're not farmed, they are not subjected to injections of hormones or antibiotics. Also, there are hunting regulations in place that ensure a good male-female balance so that you don't have, you don't have a lot of would-be mother deers um, taken out of the population, which could, you know, cause it to, to really swing low in any given year. So it really is a really well-controlled hunting environment that allows people to provide meat for their family, but also keeps in mind um, the welfare of the animal being hunted, in this case, the white-tailed deer. That is just a little bit about deer meat. Like I said, it was a really big part of my childhood growing up, um, something that I ate, gosh, way more times than I could even think to count, certainly more often than, than beef or pork. And so today, something that I would very much enjoy having on my dinner plate. It has been quite a while since I shared my knitting with you. So there, there is quite a lot to cover in my recent knitting and crafting segment here. This is the Craft Life Podcast, so I do want to talk a little bit about each project, but since the list is fairly long, I will not stay too long on either project. Um, as I mentioned, I did have no mojo for about three months, but once the mojo kicked back in, so did my knitting. So I have been knitting quite a few things. The first thing that came off the needles was the Quincy hat. This is a pattern by Brooklyn Tweed, and it retails on Ravelry for $4.75. It calls for bulky weight yarn and size 10 and size 10.5 needles. That's 6 millimeter and 6.5 millimeter needles. 
Now, for this pattern, I used a Patton's Shetland Chunky Tweed in the colorway Biscuit. If you are familiar with any of my recent past projects, such as if you watched the last podcast or hangout and saw that crazy shaped sweater I was trying to knit, this is the yarn that I was using for that sweater. The sweater got frogged immediately after the podcaster hangout because it just needed to be. And um, the, the yarn was reclaimed. And at that point, um, I knew I was expecting. And I also knew that if I made that sweater the right way, I still would not be able to wear it this year. So instead of waiting for next year to re-knit that sweater, I decided to just send the yarn on to a new use. And it became the Quincy hat. If you haven't checked out this pattern on Ravelry, I suggest you do so. It's a really neat construction. Uh, it calls for you to knit a strip of garter stitch uh, with an I-cord border and put a single twist in it and attach the two ends. So you end up with a, uh, with a Mobius strip, which is the part that goes around your head. And then you pick up stitches and knit the crown from that. So the construction is really neat. Uh, and the pattern is very well written and easy to follow. So the finished project looks like, you know, maybe it was a little tricky, but if you just follow the directions in the pattern, it's, it's so easy. I did have to go up a needle size to get gauge, which I normally don't have to adjust just my needle sizes. I usually knit pretty much to gauge. So I definitely recommend doing a gauge swatch for this one. Uh, but other than that, it came out great and I'm super happy with it. And once I was done with the hat, I wanted a matching scarf. <laughs> and there's not a matching scarf pattern on Ravelry. So uh, using the same yarn that I used for the hat, I knit a long garter stitch strip with an I-cord border. That is the scarf. And it's pretty simple. The only difference between the scarf and the garter stitch strip that you knit for the hat is I added in some slip stitch diagonals on the scarf that run uniformly from left to right down the length of the scarf. So you've got some diagonal slip stitches, slip stitch lines all the way down the scarf. And that was sort of to mirror the decreases on the crown of the hat. So, and that was it. So I had the Quincy hat and the matching scarf. And to be honest, the scarf is not quite finished. I still have just a little bit more length to go, um, but it's, it's sort of in my works in progress area right now while I have uh, been working on some some projects for for the little one. Yep, I, I set the matching scarf aside and um, decided to start work on the scrap sweater for the small ones. That's the name of the pattern. It is by Yarn Madness. Um, this pattern is free on Ravelry and it calls for DK weight yarn and size six needles. And that's four millimeter needles. I had some stash yarn that was green. It's acrylic. I have no idea what brand it is. I think, I think it came in a kit that I bought when I first started knitting. A kit that I bought at a yard sale. So I don't even know what was supposed to be knitted with this yarn, but it is acrylic and it is quite soft. Even after being washed, it's still a, a very nice soft yarn. So so this is the yarn that I've used to knit the scrap sweater for the small ones. If you are looking for some fun yet, yet pretty easy color work, this is a great pattern for that. The color work is mostly stripes, but there is a fair isle motif um, that you can, it's actually two that you can choose from. There's a hearts motif and an hourglass motif, and you can just decide um, they're over the same number of rows. So you just pick which one you want and you knit that when you come to that point in the pattern. The Fair Isle motif is charted, so it's, it's really easy to follow, really easy to read. 
I made the six-month size with the hourglass motif. I didn't know at that point what gender we, of the baby, what the gender of the baby was going to be. So I, I wanted to do sort of a gender-neutral sweater, and um, and it came out beautifully. I'm so pleased with the way the sweater came out. I have purchased the button. It's a one-button closure on the neck. It is a raglan-style sweater, so it's got that, you know, the the big wide baby neck for the big old giant baby heads. So it's got that um, that closure on the shoulder with one button, and um, I just need to attach the button and secure the loop fastener um, sort of at the shoulder. That's the, just one last little bit of finishing. It needs to be done on that sweater, and then I can fold it and put it away until it can be worn. And I've also started a matching hat for this sweater um, because I still had a little bit of yarn left over. It hasn't gotten too far. It's, it's sort of in the works and progress bin now, too, because some other things I had to move on to, such as the tacky Christmas koozie. I was contacted by one of my sisters who every year attends the tacky Christmas sweater party. And um, from what I've from what I've heard from other podcasters, this may just be a um, a United States thing, just for people here uh, in the U.S. But yes, we <laughs> there are many tacky Christmas sweater parties that happen every year, and my sister has. Um, and her friends, they pretty much have a standing tacky Christmas sweater party every year. So she contacted me and asked me to knit her a tacky Christmas koozie that she can bring with her to the party. Um, I think some people call these cozies. Uh, they're spelled different ways. Basically, it's a, it's just a soft thing that you can put your drink can in. That it wraps around the drink can so that you don't get water on yourself or water on the furniture. You can just sort of set your can wherever. I made this out of um, stash yarn, and I did use a free Ravelry pattern to sort of get an idea of um, just the stitch count that I would need to cast on for this, and then sort of made it up from there once I got a good idea of the stitch count. This has four rows of garter stitch at the top in white, and then the body of the koozie uh, is two shades of red. I had two sort of Christmas shades of red that didn't match. But they blended well together, which I held double to knit the body of the koozie. Uh, and I also broke out the fun fur. Because if you're looking for... <sighs> I don't want to say fun fur is tacky because it is not if it is used the right way. But it is, it is easy to make fun fur tacky. <laughs> and so that's what I did in this case. I did a bit of, uh, of intarsia with the fun fur and um, added a Christmas tree. So it was very much a three-dimensional Christmas tree because Fun Fur is a very three-dimensional yarn. Um, and I used the Martha Stewart Crafts. She has a line of Fun Fur that includes some of the, the silvery tinsel bits. So it was very festive. And, uh, and I finished off with a little more of the white yarn in the garter stitch at the bottom and did some decreases and tied it off. And it fits perfectly. It looks great on the can. Um, I embellished my Christmas tree with some silver beads. And uh, as I did not have a star to go on top of the tree, I sent the koozie on to my sister as it was. And fortunately, she got it, looked at it, and uh, dove into her stash. And she says she has the perfect star button to sew on to the top of that tree. So hopefully she will send me a picture once she sews that button on. Because I would love to see, I would love to see the finished project with a star. But I'll be sure to put a picture of what I finished on the show notes for this episode so that you can have a peek at it and kind of see how that turned out, which was, a, that was a lot of fun to knit. And by the time I finished her Christmas koozie, we had drawn names for family Christmas. So oh, I'm doing Christmas knitting. 
I've not done Christmas knitting um, ever. No, yeah, I've never done Christmas knitting. I've tried to avoid it because I've seen the results and the stress that come to so many knitters <laughs> who do Christmas knitting, but um, it seems this is the year that, that I'm going to jump in. So for one of my names that I drew, which I will not say in case she listens to the podcast, um, she is getting a hat and matching mitts. I cast on the pattern called Who. It's a hat by Sarah Amoroso. And it's a beanie style hat, and it's a free pattern on Ravelry, but it is so cute. It calls for a worsted weight yarn and size six needles. It's called Who because it includes the cabled owl pattern. This is a beanie that has a uh, two by two rib around the brim of the hat and then a round of cabled owls. And to go along with this hat, I will be making the Night Owl Mitts by Sarah Stewart. Um, they also include the cabled owl patterns. I believe it's one on the back of each hand. And so I think there's those two patterns are going to go great together. And I'm knitting them both out of Lion Brand Woolies Worsted Weight in the color Oxford Gray. So um, I think they're going to go, you know, pretty well with, they'll be a good standard wardrobe staple color that should go well with, with a lot of different things that she has to wear. So those are the two Christmas knits that I'm working on. And that brings us totally caught up to the knitting that I've been doing. I have to say, I've also been doing a bit of crafting, but that has been more in preparation for the next podcaster hangout. So if you want to find out what those are, tune in on December 8th to Craft Life in Motion on YouTube and you'll see them in the Hangout. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. As always, iTunes reviews are appreciated. I would love to hear what you think about the show over on iTunes. But if you don't do anything else, be sure to join us on December the 8th at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time for the next Podcaster Hangout. And I hope to see you there. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email treacleandink at hotmail.com. You can visit the website where you can find show notes for this episode and all of the other episodes at craftlifecentral.com. On Ravelry, I'm Treacle and Ink, and please come on over there and join the Craft Life group. You can find me on Twitter as Craft Life. Join me, Martine, Laura, and Joe on December 8th in the next Podcaster Hangout, and until then... Thanks so much and have a great week.